Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for another day in our lives. It's a gift. I pray this morning that we would be reminded, or perhaps know for the first time, that great is your faithfulness. That we will say yes to you and courageously follow you the rest of our lives. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Well, wait till that goes up. All right, good morning. Let's try it again. It's good to have you all here. Uh, Greg is on vacation till the end of the month, and so I'm steering the ship here at St. Luke's. And, uh, but anyway, it's great to be with you this morning. I, I want to start with the question, have you all ever missed a very important and obvious sign? Maybe while you were driving on the road, or you know, perhaps it was like your friends were trying to tell you something and you just weren't listening. Well, my senior year in high school, I had my license for a couple years, and I was really familiar with the roads around northern Virginia, almost too familiar. And there was a girl I liked, and I invited her to go see the Christmas trees in uh, D.C. That's something I would not do on my own, to go look at Christmas trees. But I figured, you know what, this would be a good thing, you know, kind of a good first date. We'll go there. Well, they have, like, trees from all the nations, be conversation piece or whatnot, right? So um, anyway, we do that, you know, everything's going great, we're talking, but I had this bad habit when I was driving to look at the person I was talking to instead of the road. Maybe you all know somebody like that, like your spouse or whatnot, but anyway, I was doing this and uh, talking to her and it's, you know, conversation's going easy and all of a sudden she says, she screams and says, Steve, look out, and what I had missed, there was a huge sign that said the road was, the lane was ending, And in northern Virginia, they have what's called an HOV lane. And at night, they'll kind of shut them off. They have these big, like, bars that go down, like kind of like when you're going to the airport or something. But they have a bunch of them, and they form, like, this diagonal, like, you know, kind of row. Well, I was too late. I took the first one out, and I started turning, and it was just skidding against the side of my dad's car, right? And um, so anyway, typical me, things like this happen to me all the time, right? I just said, ah, you know, no big deal, and I kept talking to her, and... She's looking at me kind of horrified. Go home that night, go to sleep. The next morning, my dad's having coffee, and I say, I may have dented the car a little bit or scratched it. I ran into a barricade last night. He said, what are you talking about? So he went outside, and sure enough, there were these huge scrapes and dents on the side of the car. And my dad is like, what happened? I said, well, I didn't see the sign that said the lane was ending. He's like, how do you miss that sign? See, so often in life, we get so used to things that we become complacent and that we miss very obvious signs. This familiarity can often lead to uh, complacency and can actually hurt us. We see this happen in different areas in our lives. And I'll give you a few. We see this in habits. My dad smoked for many years and he got so used to it when he finally quit He was over at some friend's house like 10 years later, and uh, his clothes smelled of smoke. He's like, I can't believe I used to do this. This smells so bad. But he had gotten so used to it, it kind of smelled good. It wasn't until he got away from it that he realized that it was, uh, that it smelled pretty horrible. I did that in my car not too long ago, where I left a watermelon in the back seat. (laughs) Left the windows up in July, and I kept driving in my car, and I'm like, I know my car is old, but why does it smell so bad? 
Then I peeked in the back and saw that watermelon I had purchased, and it was soft. Don't ever do that, by the way. I had become nose blind. I'd become so used to the smell that it wasn't even that bad anymore. I could tolerate it. We see this in our relationships, where oftentimes we don't even notice each other. Perhaps it's with your spouse or your kids, where you've known each other so long that you're too busy on your phones or just talking about surface stuff that you don't know when someone's emotionally hurting or going through a tough time. See, it happens. We become complacent to things that we become used to. So what brings us out of this? Well, so often in life, it's a tragedy or a traumatic event that seems to wake us up. I remember my first traumatic event that really comes to mind. I graduated from Virginia Tech, and I was working in Richmond, Virginia, and I was coaching high school football on the side, and I'd come back from a game, and I was walking toward the locker room with the other coaches, and my priest was standing outside the locker room to let me know that my grandfather had passed away in a car accident. My grandfather was in his early 80s, but he was super healthy and fit, and uh, he just had a, you know, one of these deals where he got pulled out in front of a car and didn't see the car. And I remember it woke me up at that time that I was realizing, you know what, I can't just skid through life being complacent. I need to start taking my faith seriously. For some of us, maybe it was Hurricane Matthew. Maybe you had seven trees fall in your house and you realize that, whoa, all right, my stuff is not as safe as I thought it was. Perhaps it's a a struggle with a marriage, a death of a friend, something that wakes us up and realizes that our routines, the way we've run life is, is not working. We've become complacent, and we need to think about the way we do life. Years ago, uh, one of my friends who, when I was living in Vancouver, she lived in a house on this road, and a lot of people had these basement apartments. She said she knew most of her neighbors, but there was this one basement where nobody really knew who lived in there. And one day the cable went out, and this woman, almost like a troll, kind of emerged from her house, looking as if someone had cut her umbilical cord. And she was kind of freaking out, and, uh, and it was like the first time she had actually, you know, people had seen her. For the, her, that was that traumatic event that got her out of the rut. Well, the good news for all of us this morning is there's a different and a better way to live life. Rather than a life of complacency, Jesus offers a much better way. But it, too, was initiated by a traumatic event. And that event involved a cross. But you see, this event had a happy ending and then has led to the possibility for you and I to live life in a completely new way. When we follow this way, we do not miss out on what is important. However, it is a difficult way. It involves sacrifice. It takes us out of our comfort and control zones that we so often have. But the positive side is it brings us more life than we could imagine. And this is the life of faith. This life of faith begins by recognizing a very obvious sign. Paul writes about this sign. He says, See, I lay in Zion a stone, and it causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to uh, shame. You see, Jesus is this immovable stone. We can try and ignore him and pretend he is not there. We can try to walk around him, but he is that elephant in the room. He's not going away. He's calling each and every one of us to put our faith and our trust in him. 
Paul writes, as a Jewish convert to Christ, he writes these words. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, may put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may, we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. For Jewish people, this was a tough message. Because for them, their access to God was based on their bloodline and by their obedience to the law. For a good Jew, they memorized the Torah, these books in the Old Testament. They were very careful not to miss any of the laws. They thought their good behavior would bring them access to God. And the Apostle Paul is telling him, from Christ, this is not true. See, when Jesus came as the Messiah, the reason they rejected him is they did not like his message. They were expecting somebody that would cheer them on and cheer them on and say, hey, great job. You guys are doing a really good job. Now we're going to kick out these Roman savages, and I'm going to start up this new kingdom, and you all are going to have freedom. But instead, he said, you all are sinful. What you're doing is not working. And he died on a cross for their sins. And he said that you have to put your faith and trust in me. And this was not an easy message for them. It took them out of their control. And they had to put their trust in something much bigger than them. This is a difficult message, not just for them. It's a difficult message for modern Christians. In the late 1900s and the early 20th century, liberal theology was in many of the seminaries. And it elevated man to the point where they said that we can become self-actualized, that man is the measure of all things. But then two world wars happened. We had the rise and fall of the Third Reich. And they realized the self-actualized man didn't quite work out like they thought it. And it really messed with the theology of the time. This was kind of re, uh, restarted in the 70s when you had communes of people that were trying to create utopias. But if you know anything from Jim Jones and other utopias, they didn't have happy endings. See, this false theology tried to minimize Christ and maximize man. We've seen, that in, seen this same uh, deal in modern evangelicalism, where we try to have formulas. If you do dot, dot, and dot, then you're a really strong Christian, or God will really like you. Sometimes we have complicated uh, philosophies as far as prophecies, or we have Bible matrix with special codes that if you can do this, and it becomes this esoteric kind of knowledge that only a few people can grasp. Or some denominations have this more of a country club mentality, where if you believe this in just the right way, and you study hard, then you can be one of the chosen. But the problem with all these things, whether it's this liberal theology or the evangelical theology, is that they minimize Christ and maximize man. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that this is a false theology. You see, our true faith is found in God's faithfulness. Most of us have been taught that it's our faith that brings about the promise of God. If you just have faith enough, then God will like you. But this is not what the Apostle Paul says as he uh, lays out the theology in the New Testament. He writes this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, 
so that no one can boast. For it is grace you have been saved, not by works, not by yourself. We are joining in God's faithfulness. And it's really good news because I know that most of my decisions, I'm oftentimes very fickle. But God's yes is so much bigger. He died for each and every one of you. A matter of fact, this grace is for all people, not a select few. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he emphasizes this. He writes, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And in our reading from Romans today, he writes, Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Telios is the Latin word they use for this all. It's all-encompassing. It's total. In Portuguese, there's a word they have called tudo. They say tudo bem, like it is all good. It is all good by what Christ has done on the cross. It involves everyone. The prophet Isaiah envisioned this as well. He said, for my house will be be called a house of prayer for all nations. And in the gospel reading today that Kathy read, We see this woman who was on the outside who approaches Jesus. And although his ministry was first for the Jews, Jesus makes the exception to indicate what kind of ministry he would have. And he heals the woman and tells her that she has great faith. You see, Jesus' ministry involves everyone. It's his faithfulness, but it's a gift. It's not from ourselves or us being good enough or us having strong enough faith. But this faith, this faithfulness, we have to access this. We have to appropriate this promise that Christ did, and this is where we say yes and enter into that relationship. Because when you're trusting God, he's calling you to make a decision. And this decision takes us out of our comfort zone. It takes us out of our control zone. It says, not my will, but yours be done. You don't have to have this strong super faith. You just have to say yes and join in to God's faithfulness. Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead. If you believe and are justified is with your mouth that you profess your faith and saved. Everyone who calls on the name. So we declare, we believe, we process. This takes action. We say yes. Francis Schaeffer, the theologian, said this. The Christian is the one who bows twice, once in humble admission that he is not autonomous. In other words, he can't do it on his own. And again, in humble gratitude to God for salvation in Jesus Christ. Forever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But this is not easy. It takes us courage to join in God's faithfulness because we can't control it. Jesus said to that woman, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. The woman had courage. Faith causes us to put all our weight and trust on his promises, not just a little bit or one foot in the pool, but jumping all the way in and said, my life is your life. It says in the scripture, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you'll be able to move mountains. That's all God is asking for us, is to say yes. 
Faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. It's not easy. It's not easy to do this. We give up control. Recently, we went to Honduras, and I know many of y'all were praying for us, and we had two kids that really demonstrated this courage. One night, they asked us, kind of spur of the moment, if we had some kids that would like to share a testimony. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be intimidating. First of all, they got to use a translator, and you know, there's kids all in different places in their walk with the Lord as far as their understanding. But we had two volunteer. One, I was kind of an obvious. I knew she might do it. The other one was not so obvious. And as the first girl shared, she was tall, and everything could have gone wrong to distract the audience. It was pouring rain. It was the rainy season. It was in this pavilion with this tin roof, so the rain is pounding. You can hardly hear a thing. There's this Honduran guy who's very short, and he has one of those megaphones with the batteries. So he's holding it up for her, and she's kind of bending down, trying to talk into the megaphone. And there's two stray dogs that walk into the middle of the basketball court and start fighting. So we got fighting dogs. We got rain falling down. Some of it's dripping through holes. You couldn't have asked for more distractions. But she began to share about God's faithfulness in her life, how she had put a lot of trust in her athletic ability. Now, that hadn't worked out, but that had been moving her slowly to give up control and to trust that God had a much bigger and better plan for her. And then the second guy shared as the dogs continued to fight and the rains continued to fall down. And he shared something a little more vulnerable about some struggles about some addictions he'd been having. And it was interesting afterwards, I mean, it was something I would have never shared in high school. One of the leaders came up to me and was talking about what courage that took and how that many of their kids from their youth group there had struggled with some of those same things. And our own brother was struggling with this and how encouraging it was. You see, when we say yes to God, we don't ignore that big sign, just like I ignored the sign that the road was closed. But we have the courage to follow Christ. He'll give us courage to do things we wouldn't think we would have ever had the uh, courage to do. To share the hope we found in God's faithfulness. So when you follow the sign, you give yourself to God's faithfulness found in Christ. When you courageously trust him and begin to follow him, you have help along the way. It says in the scripture that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the journey, to live as believers in this world. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, they use a lot of agriculture terms there because most people were familiar with farmers, but the fruit of our lives, it says our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. See, the Holy Spirit starts bringing this out in our life. Even though we're flawed, we're not perfect on our own, but we're part of God's family part of his faithfulness. He is faithful when we're faithless. So our lives don't become stagnant or complacent. We take this little faith, as small as a mustard seed, and God has big plans for our life, for our everyday life. You know, one of the reasons I like to take teenagers on uh, mission trips, I mean, we could send money and they don't really need us. Sometimes they have more going on in the name of Christ than we have going here. But we get to join in and get out of our comfort zone, get out of the rut and the routine. And I see amazing things start to happen where teenagers start to see God's faithfulness, where they start to uh, 
realized that they'd been taking a lot of things for granted in their life. They'd been complacent, not only in their faith, but in the little things in life. I'll tell you one uh, little side story that, of something I had taken for granted. Uh, I didn't think I complained that much, but one day, it's hot, it's hot as this there, right? It's all uphill and downhill. And one day we were walking to one of the camps, and we decided, or I decided, that we would bring all these pool noodles to Honduras and do games with these noodles, which was very bizarre there because there are no swimming pools hardly, and there's no ocean. And so all of us are walking down the street with these, and somehow I got stuck with like 10 of them. And I'm walking, and I sweat like crazy anyway, right? So I'm sweating on these styrofoam noodles, and I'm thinking, oh, this is hard. I'm going up a hill, and I look behind me, and there's this old Honduran man, or at least he looked old, but he's probably doing it. He's holding this big pile of sticks on his back, and he's walking up the hill, not sweating, jeans, a long sleeve shirt, and he looks bored. And here I am complaining about bringing some pool noodles up a hill. And again, those little lessons that we're reminded not to take things for granted, that God is with us. He has big plans for our life. He has called us into a big faith. But it's not based on you and I and our works. It's based on the work and promise he did on the cross. And that we can courageously just say yes. And it'll lead us to great places and great things. And it doesn't just have to happen on a mission trip. Sometimes it's walking across the street to our neighbor. Or noticing a coworker who's hurting. Inviting someone to church. To sharing with somebody the hope that you found in Christ getting out of our comfort zone, our ruts, to having the life and life to the full that only comes from following Christ courageously, that only comes from being empowered by the Holy Spirit so we can share this fruit of our lives that we've received with other people. Have you said yes to Christ? Maybe you're a believer, but you've been trying to do it on your own. Do you understand that you're called into something much bigger than you? You're called into God's promise, his faithfulness. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the family that he's called you into. All he asks is for faith as small as a mustard seed, for you to say yes. So what about us as a church? How do we keep the main thing the main thing and not get sidetracked or become a crazy commune? or become too inclusive that we don't include other people, it starts by always making Christ the center. We're called Christians for a reason. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It is, his, it is God's faithfulness through the promise that Christ did on the cross that we have hope, and we cannot forget that. We need to be a community that continually seeks Christ. We keep that the main thing. Then the Holy Spirit will fill our congregation with good things to give to other people. So we won't become inclusive, but we will see our neighbors. We'll see our friends. We will share this hope and message, hope and message we have in Christ, both here and abroad. We'll have courage to confront the issues of today. We won't just stand on the sidelines. You know, it's interesting, we're in a... Uh, Difficult time in our world again with the terrorism that recently happened in Barcelona to the racism that's been going on in our country. There's been a lot of chatter back and forth, people taking uh, some political stances about uh, different issues in regards to that. 
But I want to tell you something really cool that some uh, believers in this church have been doing way before this happened. They've been meeting with some African-American believers in Bluffton, often for prayer and for reconciliation so they can understand each other. See, God is calling us not to stay on the sideline, but to know our neighbors, to love them, to cross the street. That's what his faithfulness does for us, that we have courage. So we're not just like those two guys on the Muppet show that sit up there and just kind of mock what's going on, but we get involved with the issues of the day. That we understand that all people are created in God's image. That all people, Jesus died on the cross for them. And we want to share this message with all people so that they too can come to faith and know the hope that we have. That's what our church does the best when we're being faithful to his faithfulness. So what is real faith? Remember, it's not about you and you trying to have enough faith. It's us joining in in God's faithfulness. It's us courageously saying yes, putting all our weight on God's promises. That leads us out of our comfort zone, out of our control zone, and causes us to go places and to do things we never thought we would do. You know, when John was writing his gospel and said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, he was talking literally that for full lives, for lives that care and love others, not lives that are sitting on the sidelines. You know, I quoted that song, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I was kind of using that, um, of joining in God's faithfulness. But, you know, the guy who wrote that song was named Thomas O. Chisholm, same last name as me. No relation. But anyway, it is a great uh, hymn. He says, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousands beside. Christ gives us a peace that endureth. Through all the ups and downs in life. That is what he's calling each and every one of us to say yes to. Will you have the courage to do it? Let us pray. Lord, truly great is your faithfulness. We thank you that in our fickleness, that our inability oftentimes to keep promises, for our obliviousness to your signs that you put in our life, you have reminded us over and over again that you love us, that you died on the sins for our cro- you died on the cross for our sins so that we can have access to a relationship with you. I pray for all who have said yes for you that we would say yes every day, and all who haven't, that today would be the day that we say yes, and we join in to your faithfulness. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.